Good day and welcome once again to our Bible study. We're going to continue on in John chapter 12 this week. The title of today's lesson is Jesus Comes to Jerusalem as King. Let's go back to last week in review. In last week's lesson, we, we learned and we've seen that, that Mary was given insight and that Mary knows that Jesus is the Messiah, right? That she understands what his purpose is and what he came for in that time period was to be the Savior, was to be that Messiah that the old prophets had talked about in the Old Testament. And knowing this, because she has insight from God, right? She saved up money. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how long she saved up, but it's very expensive perfume that she purchased, right? And we had said last week in that culture, you can either buy something outright or you can have something of value in the family. And if it's worth the same as whatever you want, you can make it easy, an even trade-off. So we don't know exactly how she got it or, or, or how long it took, but we know that this perfume is very expensive. It was worth 300 denarius. That's a whole year's wages. And she pours the perfume on the feet of Jesus. And she wipes it with her hair. Now, we also seen last week that one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Judas Iscariot, the one to who would betray Jesus, objected to this when he seen this. See, he said that perfume, you should have sold that perfume. And that money could have been given to the poor. But the Bible tells us something interesting about Judas. See, Judas, the Bible said, was the thief. So really, it's a spiritual twist what he says. He says, you should have sold all that perfume and gave the money to the poor. But he really didn't want to give the money to the poor. He didn't care nothing about the poor because he was the, the treasurer of Jesus's ministry. And he was over the money, the money bag, the Bible tells us last week. So the Bible says he's a thief. And what does a thief do, right? They, they, they lie to cover up things, right? They deceiving. They, and that's what Judas is. Judas wanted to take that money and steal it for himself. He didn't want to give it to the poor, right? He didn't want to do none of that. We also see that Jesus also tells them, and, and he gives them a hint, his disciples, and Mary and Martha, he gives them, he gives them a hint saying that, his time has come. In other words, giving them a hint about his crucifixion that is to come, right? So with that being said, we're going to continue on with that conversation. Jesus is going to move into Jerusalem. Remember, it's the feast of Passover. It's the festival of Passover. Passover, what's the first thing that should come to your mind? What? Death. Resurrection. See, in order to be resurrected, one had to do what first? You have to die. And, and Jesus is Passover. Jesus is getting towards the end of his ministry here. And we're going to see in today's lesson that everything that prophet Zechariah said in the Old Testament, Jesus does right here, starting in this lesson tonight. So that being said, open up your Bibles to John Chapter 12, and we're going to start in verse 12 today. We're going to cover verses 12 through 24. Starting in verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took branches and they went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna! 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young, a young donkey and he sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. And many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went to worship at the festival. And they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in the Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. So Philip went tell Andrew. And Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. And Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now let's go back up to verse 12. In verse 12, the scripture tells us that the next day, the great crowd had come for the festival. They had heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, right? So there's a big crowd that's at this festival. Now remember, right? If you was a Jewish male age 20 or older, you had to attend three of the major festivals. And this is one of them here. This is one of them. So they know that Jesus is going. And Jesus being a Jew, being obedient to the Torah, being obedient to the Father, he, he's going to go. He's not going to miss it because it's, it's required by Jewish law. You had to attend. So these people, they, they, they're hearing that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and they're excited because they know all the miracles he performed, right? Some of them even seen it. And now they get to see Jesus in person once again. Remember, Jesus had a big following, a great following. It was only the religious leaders who did not accept Jesus. And we know from Scripture that even some of the religious leaders believed in Jesus as the Messiah. And this is a problem with the higher-ranking officials in the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because they don't want this to happen. They don't want, to follow, they don't want people to follow Jesus because they lose power. They lose control. So this great crowd, man, they're all excited because they're at this festival, the festival of, of Passover, and, and they hear that Jesus is on his way to this festival. So look what they did in verse 13. The Bible tells us they took palm branches and they went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Now, it starts off saying that they took palm branches. So let's talk about palm branches. See, in Jewish culture, they would take these branches, not the leaf, but the branch itself, right? And, and they would make what's called a lulaf in, in, in Jewish culture. It's not only a, a, a palm branch, but it's, it's vegetation and branches 
from many of, of, of the local vegetation around there. Well, what's the purpose of this? They would take all this, they would mingle it together, and they would shake it in all directions, north, south, east, west, up, down. Notice what I said. All directions, there's six. North, south, east, west, up, down. Now, why the number six? Because the number six biblically has to do with the grace of God. So they would do this on the Feast of Tabernacles, right? To remind them of the 40 years that their ancestors spent in the desert. Now, remember what we said about desert or wilderness in, in, in the Bible. That means dependency upon God. So they took these palm branches and they went out to meet Jesus. They hear Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. Now, they, 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 a lot of them in that group saw the miracles. They believe. They know he's the Messiah. They believe he's the Messiah. So look what they do. And this just verifies that they know that he is the real Messiah. They say, and they started shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, why are they saying this, right? See, this is exactly what the Jews are going to say right before Jesus returns for the second coming, right? They're going to say this term, right? Which means save us. It's a term of desperation. That's what this means. It means Hosanna simply means save us, Lord. It's a term of desperation on their port. And this is exactly what the Jews are going to cry out when Jesus comes back and he steps foot on the Mount of Olives at the end of that seven-year tribulation period. And we know that a valley is formed and that valley ushers in the millennial reign for that thousand years. So they say right here, save us. That's what they're saying. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Look what else they say. The king of Israel. Now this is taken from the book of Psalms and Psalms 118. But what I want you to see is this in this passage. This passage is talking about the Messiah. It says the king of Israel. Now this phrase is in reference to Messiah. So these people, just by what they're saying, by what they're shouting, by what they're doing with the palm branches in six directions, the grace of God, right? This phrase tells us that they know that he's the Messiah. They know that he is their savior, their king, and they're going to welcome him. Now notice, it's very, very close to the festival of what? Passover. Verse 14. Remember, Passover has to deal with what? The blood. The blood of the lamb. Who's the slain lamb? Jesus Christ. Amen? Verse 14. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written. This is found in the Old Testament. See, Jesus came to fulfill God's plan. And the Old Testament prophets, they spoke about this throughout the Old Testament. And this is exactly what the prophet Zechariah foreseen thousands of years before. Zechariah 9.9 says this, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Zion is Jerusalem. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey on a colt. So Zion 
is Jerusalem as we know Jerusalem today. We call it Jerusalem. Well, why does the scripture say daughter Zion? Because Zion is also Jerusalem, but it's Jerusalem in his redemptive state. What am I talking about? I'm talking about after the tribulation period, the Antichrist goes into the Holy of Holies. He declare, declares himself God and worship me, issues the mark of the beast. Well, a remnant of God's people are going to know they were deceived and they're going to flee to Petra, modern day Jordan. And, and the Bible tells us that God will have a hedge of protection around those Jews, that remnant, just like he did in Goshen. Just like he did. He protected back in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus. He's going to do the same at the end, and he's going to save that remnant. And for three and a half years, the Bible says if God wouldn't shorten the days, no flesh would be, would be alive. No, no flesh would survive it. That's how terrible it's going to be. Well, at the end of that three and a half year period, they cry out exactly what is written here. Blessed is he who comes in the name of of the Lord, the King of Israel. The Jews are going to cry, cry, cry out. And when they cry out, Jesus hears that. And the Father sends Jesus back to earth for a second coming. And it's not to save. It's to judge. It's to do away with evilness. It's for holiness and righteousness to prevail. Hallelujah. So when the valley splits, and we know it's probably going to be an earthquake because that's where it's sitting on right now, the Mount of Olives, it, it's, it's, it's on a fault line. That valley is going to form and that's going to usher in the millennial reign. And when that happens, that millennial reign begins, right? Then Jerusalem, as we know it, will be called what? Zion. And at the end of that thousand year, we know that the new heaven and the new earth comes in, the new city, right? And all things will, will be created new again. Amen? So when it talks about Zion, we know it as Jerusalem, but it's Jerusalem in its redemptive state. Verse 15, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's coat. Now, we just discussed what Zion was, right? Another name for Jerusalem in its redemptive state. State, But look what it says. See your king coming seated on a donkey's coat. This is exactly what the prophet Zechariah had predicted. And Jesus does that. And the Old Testament prophets always point to Jesus. They're always pointing to the cross. They're always pointing to Calvary. And we see it right here. That what he talked about thousands of years before, Jesus comes in and does exactly what the prophet talked about. Verse 16. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him. So when it says at first, the disciples did not understand all this. When all this is taking place right now. Like Jesus is doing all these miracles, right? Jesus is raising Lazarus from the dead. They're just like everybody else. They're amazed. They didn't understand why people are calling out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. They don't understand this. It's not till after Jesus had died, had been resurrected, and really ascended into heaven, that they started looking up 
scriptures from the Torah, from the old prophets. And then they realize that why these people, why, why they were acting that way, why they were doing the things they were doing, why they were shouting the things they were saying. They understood now what Jesus really was and who Jesus really is. So they understand. And, and, and they praising him, right? Because he's the king of Israel. He's the Messiah. And these people know this, but the disciples don't know it at the time, but not till after Jesus had been glorified, you can say, that they start researching on their own. Now, isn't that a shame? Because these religious leaders, the Pharisees, right? They're supposed to be teaching this to the people. But we know that they have their own agenda. They have the, the, the Talmud, they have the oral law, the traditions of the elders, right? And they put more emphasis on that than they do on prophecy. That's why prophecy is important. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us here and teach us. Verse 18, verse 17, I'm sorry. Now the crowd that was with him, when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. So because of this miracle that they witnessed and they seen, right? They continue to do what? They continue to spread the good news about Jesus. They're doing exactly what Jesus told his disciples to do before he ascended. Go make disciples of all nations throughout the world, right? And we see that these people right now are doing this. Even before Jesus has died. Even before, I mean, he's not even dead yet. And here they are proclaiming the good news, telling them what they witnessed, seeing the things that Jesus did. See, it's only when we understand the work of Messiah. And how do we understand this work of Messiah? Through prophecy. Because it's only when I truly, me or you, when, when we understand Jesus through prophecy, right? Then we can receive him better. We can receive him more because now I can see things from his perspective, from a kingdom perspective, amen? See, these people... This is what's happening to them. They see things from Jesus' perspective, from the kingdom perspective. It's all through prophecy. Verse 18. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed these signs, went out to meet him. So the word spreading. The word spreading about everything that he did, all the miracles he performed, especially what he did to Lazarus. And now many people want to come meet him. These people that are spreading the word believe that he's the Messiah. So all these other people, when they start talking about the miracles he has done and he raised Lazarus, from, they all want to take part and they want to see Jesus. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look, the whole world has gone after him. So they're saying, see, nothing we do helps. Nothing we do is, is, is going to change What's taking place here is going to change how people feel. You see, they're, they worry. They have a concern. And they worry, and their concern right here is about people, many people. They're receiving Jesus. And they worry that if people accept him as king, that they will lose power. That the Romans come, we come, they would respond accordingly, they would take them out of power, and they don't want to do that. See, if you see Yeshua as king, because he is, then he's greater than the Romans. But they didn't see it this way. They didn't see it at all this way. 
You see, Messiah is coming, and he's coming back. And he's coming back to destroy the enemies of Israel. Now, they should know this. I mean, these are religious leaders. But instead, they doubt. And what are they doubting? They're doubting prophecy. They're neglecting and rejecting prophecy, which is the Word of God. See, God's made a promise. He's made a promise to all of us, but especially to His people of Israel, the Jews. But they're not focusing on the promises of God. Why? Because it's all about themselves. It's all about their will. It's all about their purpose. It's all about their plan. They want things in their life fulfilled rather than serving God, rather than fulfilling what God has in plan for them, for their life. Look what they say. The whole world has gone after him. I want to focus on that word, that term, has gone. This means that these people left the Pharisees, their teachings, and they went and they followed the teachings of Jesus. Hallelujah. And that's what Jesus expects us to do. Expects us to follow him. To follow his word. Because his word is the truth. Because he is the truth. He is the life. He is the resurrection. He is our savior. Amen. Verse 20. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. Now, Greeks, this means Jews living outside of Israel. That's what Greeks means here. It's Jews but living outside of Israel. So when they see these people, right, they, they, they come into Jerusalem because it's the, fast, it's the Passover festival. Remember, you were required if you was a Jewish male by the Torah. So uh, it's a huge festival. It's one of the biggest festivals in Israel, even today, is the Feast of Passover, right? So now there were Greeks among them who went up to worship. at the. So we see that there's many, many Jews living outside of Israel that come to this festival. That's what this is telling us. Verse 21. So they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in the Galilee. With a request, sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. So all, although they live outside of Israel, word spreading about this Jesus of Nazareth, right? So they come to Philip. Now it says, Philip, who was from Bethsaida in the Galilee. That's very important. Why does it say that? Because Galilee, every time Galilee is used in the scriptures, is for the purpose of revealing something. In other words, to manifest a very important biblical truth. Now, there's also a term in there that says Bethsaida. Bethsaida. What does that mean? That means the house of the hunters. Now, that's very important. Because if you study the Old Testament, the Old Testament points to the fact that we're supposed to be hunters. We're supposed to be people who are out hunting for Messiah, amen? Meaning that we need to do his work, that we need to do his will, that we need to listen, that we need to serve him. And look what they say, sir, we would like to see Jesus. 
Now, they didn't say, we didn't, we didn't want to receive him. We want, we, 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 want, we want to see him. There's a difference between seeing and receiving. You see, what has gone on is, 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 a, is a confirmation, I guess, of really who he is. We know who Jesus is. These people saw the, 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 the miracles. They witnessed Lazarus being raised from the dead. They should know who he is, right? But not only know who he is, you need to do what? Receive him. See, we all need to receive. We need to ask him into our heart. We need to, we need to receive him into our heart to change us. And they come and they say, we want to see Jesus. They didn't say we want to receive him, and that's the difference. Now, Philip, who was one of the disciples, goes to his brother, Andrew. So the Bible tells us Philip went to tell Andrew. And both Andrew and Philip, in turn, the Bible says, went to find Jesus and told Jesus that they wanted to see him. Now, that's important. Because Jesus replies in verse 23. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So Philip and Andrew both go to Jesus in verse 32. And they tell Jesus, these people want to see you. And look how Jesus responds. He doesn't answer the question. But look what he says. He's saying that I am not for some to see. That's what he's saying. But I've come so that I can be what? Received. So Jesus is just telling him here. The hour has come for the Son of Man. Son of Man means what shows his divinity again. To be what? To be glorified. That's very important. You see, we're going to need to enter into covenant with him. If you receive him, that means you enter into a covenant with him. But what do these people say? We want to see him. See, they're just curious. So we can say that Jesus didn't deal <laughs> with their request. But instead, he went on to do his work. And what was that? The will of the Father. And that was to die on that cross at Calvary. For you, for me, for the entire world. So he goes on and does what he came here to do. Why? Because he's the Messiah. See, it's not just seeing him. Because there was nothing unique about how Jesus looked. Right? He, he looked the same as other Jewish males. But there's one difference. Than all the other people. Still to this day. He perfectly obeyed his father's will. Perfectly. And in the scripture, he says he's a son of man, right? He's telling us his, his divinity. He's telling us that he is God with us. That he is the one that has the power. Because God gave him all the power to establish this kingdom. So he says, I'm the son of man. Son of man has to also do with what? Being a servant. So in other words, Jesus is showing us here, right? 
that we need to serve, that we need to do his work. We need to serve others. We need to put others first. Amen. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, Jesus says, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. You see, Jesus right here, he's not, he, he, he's, he's not concerned. Well, he, I guess he is concerned, much concerned. Not about little fruit, but about what? Much fruit. Because that's what he's explaining right here with this kernel of wheat. When it falls to the ground, it dies, right? But if it's buried, in other words, it produces what? It's alive. It produces many seeds. Remember a few weeks back we talked about, we said this name, that Jesus was at a place called Ephraim. If you remember, I told you that Ephraim means fruitful, being fruitful, right? Producing much fruit. You see, without redemption, there is no fruit. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, if I don't die, this represents the kernel of wheat, and I just fall to the ground and die, right, this kernel of wheat, but it's not buried, then it dies. It rots. It, it remains one kernel. It's no good. It didn't produce anything. However, if that kernel of wheat falls and is buried in the soil, then what happens? It becomes alive. It produces many, many seeds. You can say it produces what? Much fruit. So he's saying right here that my death will bring about much, much fruit. We can say great fruit. Now understand that this is a kingdom fruit. It's our, it's our job. Should be our desire because that's what Jesus asks us to do as disciples is to go and spread the word, to spread the good news about Jesus and about what Jesus has done for you in your life, how good Jesus is. Hallelujah. Why? Because when you go out and do that, you're living. You're living for the kingdom and you're going to produce fruit. And that fruit is going to continue to live and continue to spread. And now we're all bearing much fruit. Not for us, but for Jesus, God the Father, and His kingdom. Amen? And that ends our lesson for today. We, sure, we surely do appreciate you all tuning in and listening today. Be a blessing for someone this week. We love you guys. Until next week, God bless.